worship the Lord with you today. Uh, we all survived the hurricane, and um, none the worse for wear. Well, I wanted to let you know, in case you missed the announcement, um, our coat closet at Cooper Park, um, given the weather this weekend, we went ahead and decided to postpone that coat closet um, to this Saturday. So technically, you, as you walked in, you may have seen a pile of coats. That's not because we're lazy and cleaning. That's because we've been collecting donations for coats to hand out to people in the community that need to stay warm this winter. Um, and so now, technically, you have another uh, few days. Uh, if you want to drop some coats off by the office, and we're looking for new or gently used and cleaned coats. Um, you can swing those by this week still. But this Saturday, uh, October 8th at Cooper Park, uh, we still need volunteers to come out and help distribute those coats. We'll be serving lunch uh, to the people that come uh, to the park, so we need help serving lunch, as well as um, people that will pray. They get mad at me because I hold the mic wrong. Um, and we also need people to come and pray. <laughs> Uh, with those that will be uh, uh, receiving the coats and the lunch, um, just to have conversations with them and see what it is that the Lord wants to do um, uh, to bless them. So you don't even have to RSVP. You can just show up 11 a.m. this Saturday at Cooper Park on the south side of Statesville. Also wanted to let you know that Abide, our next Abide is coming up, and that um, uh, announcement is in your bulletin October 17th. That's a Monday um, at the Burleson home. That's just a space where we worship. Our friend JT leads us in worship, and we just kind of wait on the Lord to see what he wants to do. Um, we bring him uh, praise through song, through prayer. We pray for each other. Just We just wait on the Holy Spirit to see what it is that he wants to do, and um, we have seen him do incredible, incredible things. So we uh, invite you to just come rest. It's just a place to rest in the presence of the Lord um, without a ton of structure. Um, invite you to that, the 17th at six o'clock. And if you need a reminder on the address on our connect wall, um, we have a flyer for abide uh, with the address and all the info for that. And lastly, we have our Strength to Stand Youth Conference coming up. Um, Pastor Tim takes the youth to this incredible conference every year. Um, it's full of uh, seasoned speakers as well as uh, Christian musicians. I'm going to name a few that I know my kids are super into. KB, um, King and Country, um, Tom Richter. So a lot of awesome things happening at that conference. And the idea is to take the youth, um, grades 6 through 12, uh, into a deeper place with the Lord. Um, so if you are interested in doing that, um, you can grab a flyer on the back connect wall. It looks like this. And on the back of it, it's got a QR code that if you scan, you can register them. Um, the main thing to keep in mind is that we're asking for that $50 deposit um, is uh, by October 16th. $50 deposit by October 16th. If that's an issue and you have a youth that still wants to go, talk to Pastor Tim and we can work that out. Um, the dates for that conference are January 14th through 16th. So it's, it's a little ways away, um, but we want to make sure we have uh, all the resources we need to get all the youth that want to participate in that there. I think that is it for announcements. I do encourage you to check out the Connect Wall because there's more information on good stuff happening in the life of the church on that Connect Wall before you leave. Um, and if you guys at this point want to uh, stand with me as we prepare our hearts and um, our eyes to, to just focus on the Lord, one of the things that he, um, I feel like he was really impressing on me this morning is 
is something that we don't usually think about year-round, but it's this word Emmanuel. Jesus is called Emmanuel. God with us. He is with us. That is an incredible reality. So if you'd pray with me. God, I just ask that this morning, ask that your presence would be here. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Fill your bride, the church, with your tangible presence. Jesus, I just ask that this morning you would let us experience the incredible reality that you are with us. You are with us in our past. You are with us now, and you are with us in the future because, God, you are the God who is outside of time. So let us experience the reality that you are with us in new ways this morning, God. Help us be careful to give you the glory. Help us surrender, God, and acknowledge you in all our ways. Father, lift our praise. Inhabit our praise. And receive the glory that you are so, so worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I hope that today you sense God's love in this room already. It's only going to increase as we move forward in worship and the word. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us.
in freedom today. Let me hear you shout. Yeah, some of you are. I see it as you worship. It's the love of God that we will build our lives on so that we can reach this world around us. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be
just as heaven is exalting you right now, just as the the cherubim or the seraphim are flying around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let that part of your kingdom be done right now on earth as it is in heaven. Let our praises rise to your throne. Father, as we open your word, let the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for us sink deep into our spirits so that it changes us and so that we are made new. Father, continue to do your work for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith followers, get your papers ready because you are going to need them as I go. Andy, can you, look, can you look back there and see if you see my notes? My, my four, oh, thank you, Ethan. <laughs> Appreciate that. Don't know how you ended up with them, but you surprised me. So, so here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, we are in our fourth week in the series of authority, uh, it was originally going to be a four-week series, but I'm extending it two more weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about authoritative prayer, and then after that, we're going to talk about authoritative relationships. So two more weeks coming in the authority series. And this morning, I'm going to tell you about a guy named Brad Wilson, because I'm going to talk about loopholes this morning, things where it's okay to do, and you take advantage of something, but you create loopholes. There's this man named Brad Wilson, and Brad Wilson took advantage of two things. He took advantage of the U.S. Mint and of credit card companies, and it was beautiful. So back in around 2006, the U.S. Mint, they wanted to make $1 coins a thing again, right? They wanted them to come back into circulation and to, uh, to be back in the general population, right? And so what they would do is you could buy them at face value and they would ship them to you for free, right? And so Brad saw this and he had this idea. He started to look for the credit cards that had the best rewards points system. And he found one that gave you something like one point for every $10 you spent. And then he looked at what you would trade those points in for. And he found out that the best way to transfer them was to airline miles. So here's what Brad did. Brad would call up the U.S. Mint. Maybe, I mean, it was was mid-2000s, so maybe he sent them a fax, right? He did something where he would just order thousands and thousands of dollars of coins. And he would buy them with his credit card. And then when the coins came in, He would take them to his bank, he would deposit them, and then pay off his credit card. So if you're not following what he's doing, he is buying with his credit card, getting all the points, paying with what he bought. So for about two to three years, he found this huge loophole in the system. He'd pay it off before uh, the month was ended, so he paid no interest. Buy $1,000 worth of coins, deposit $1,000 in your bank account, pay $1,000 on your credit card. 
Doing this, he amassed four million airline miles. Four, this guy can fly wherever he wants for the rest of his life because he found a loophole, right? And it's beautiful because nobody gets hurt except for the credit card companies, which, yeah, <laughs> praise God, right? And so, and so this is, this is, this is, what he did for two years until they started to catch on and the U.S. Mint no longer ships them out free for face value and credit cards have gotten smart about what you can use uh, their points on with what you buy. But for that time, Brad Wilson found it. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about loopholes this morning as we talk about authorized authority. And if you wanna join me in, 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 chapter, in Acts chapter 19, that's where I'm gonna be going out of this morning. And I'm going to recap the past few weeks of things that we've been learning and going through. Uh, and if you want to catch up, you can find it online, on YouTube, on Facebook, podcast, all of that. So uh, let's define authority, how we've been defining it. Authority is the God-given right and responsibility delegated to believers to act on God's behalf in spiritually ruling over his creation under the lordship of Jesus. Authority is a personal right given by status or delegation to assert power, whether in the human world or the spiritual realm. And then authority is the believer's legal right to use the power of God to bring his kingdom on earth. That puts it, that boils it down all succinctly. And we talked about the story of authority. Where, where does Jesus get authority? Why does he get authority? How does it get passed to us, right? Adam was given authority or dominion over the earth. But that dominion was stripped from man when Adam sinned. And Jesus came to save humanity, yes, but to also redeem all of creation through his life, death, and resurrection. And he reclaims for humanity everything that Adam lost. So where Adam died, he now brings eternal life. Where Adam brought sin, Jesus brings righteousness. Where Adam lost authority, Jesus wins authority back. And he says in this great commission, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And we saw a couple weeks ago that he shares that authority with us to have the kingdom of heaven come on heaven, in heaven as it is on earth. Because like I said, it's all been, doing, it's all been given to him. And even while he was alive and doing ministry here on earth, Jesus was giving his authority to his followers. In fact, this was the plan for the church. Remember, he calls together the 12. He says, I have given you authority over all diseases and all sickness. So go proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've been given, freely you give. And uh, so he gave authority to them. Then he gave authority to the 70 who came later. And so every person, we learned last week, who has followed Jesus as their Lord and Savior has been given authority. All of us. He said, teach them everything that I've taught you. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the power to hold, to give forgiveness and to withhold forgiveness. And so now we're gonna look at this a little bit deeper. How is it authorized for us? And we're gonna read in Acts chapter 11, or Acts chapter 19, excuse me, verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. 
Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom, the evil, in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them, and fear fell and fear fell upon them, and all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them in it, and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to be uh, talking about these verses, but let me tell you what's just happened. Uh, Paul had left Corinth and went into Ephesus. And as he came to the Ephesus, he found some people and he said, now, did you uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit. Well, what baptism were you baptized into? We were baptized, baptized into the baptism of John. And he said, oh, okay, John was just pointing to Jesus. Do you want the Holy Spirit? And they said, yes. And they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And then he goes into the synagogue in Ephesus. The synagogue is a Jewish gathering center, right? It is their version of their church gathering, right? And so he goes, Paul goes into there and he starts to, to teach to them that Jesus is the Messiah. And it says that he persuades them about the kingdom of God. And they're, but they're not listening. And so he says, you're stubborn, you're stubborn against, and he use, uh, Luke uses the term who wrote Acts, he uses the term the way, because that's what Christianity was called. It was called the way. And so he says, forget you, I'm going to the hall of Tyrannus, which was a pagan gathering place where a bunch of smart people would get around and they would just talk back and forth to each other. Right? And they would, they would just, well, I, this is what this teacher says and this teacher says, and this is what we've learned from the great goddess Artemis. And, and then the, somebody else would stand up, no, this is what we've learned. And so Paul would stay in there and it said that people heard everywhere throughout Asia about Jesus being king. And so then while preaching in these pagan places, God is performing miracles. It says that, that, that handkerchiefs, that just touch Paul's skin are then taken to people who are sick on their beds, who are demonized, and they lay the handkerchiefs on them and they're instantly cured and demons come out of them. Incredible, right? Just from a handkerchief, right? Didn't have to, didn't have to talk to him, didn't have to yell at him, didn't have to tell him to come out, just the handkerchief comes. And so what happens is, is that these seven sons of Sceva, let's talk about them for a second. They're Jewish exorcists. And they see what's happening by the hands of Paul. They're seeing these handkerchiefs get laid on people. And they're, they're in the business of casting out demons, right? That's their job. They go around casting out demons and people will pay them for that. 
And they're probably having problems because what Jewish exorcists would do was they would invoke all these other names. And one of the main names that they invoked to get demons to leave was Solomon. And there's a big reason why it's Solomon. I'd love to talk about it, but I don't have time this morning. But they would use others. If you want to see how this would work in, in theory, go watch episode one, season one of The Chosen with Mary Magdalene and Nicodemus walks in. And he, he comes in and he goes, I adjure you by, and then he gives all this list of all these names. But he never uses the name Jesus. Jesus hasn't really started his personal ministry, but he never uses the name Jesus. And that's how come when Jesus is preaching in the synagogue, right, and the demonized person stands up and says, what are you to do with us? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Jesus just tells it, get out of the man, and it leaves. He didn't have to invoke the name of Solomon or all these other things. That's how come everybody is amazed that they say, who is this man that he just casts out demons with just a word? Nothing else. No incense, no incantations, no invoking, nothing. Right? And so the Sceva's boys decided that if the name of Jesus worked for Paul, it could work for them. So they come to a man's house. This man is decidedly demonized. If it's speaking through him, he's really demonized. And so they go in and they say, hey, Paul uses this name, so we're going to use it. So by the name that Paul proclaims, we're telling you to come out of this man. They're, they're, what they're doing here is they're using unauthorized authority. They're saying, hey, works for Paul. He knows Jesus works for him, so I'm just going to use the name of Jesus. They think they found a loophole. Right? They don't have to go through it anymore. They don't have to go through their rituals, their incantations, their incense. They don't have to go through any of it anymore. Their job just got a whole lot easier if they can just cast them out by the Jesus that Paul proclaims. And if it, gets, if it becomes easier, they do it quicker. They can move to the next house, and they can make more money. There's a problem with loopholes in the spiritual realm. There's a big problem. Because it doesn't say the man answered them. It said the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus, I know, right? They know Jesus and they tremble. Paul, I recognize, but who are you? Look, I'm not giving credit to the demon, but that is a cold line. I know Paul. Jesus, I obviously know. Who are you? What's your name? There's seven of you. you want, can we do a roll call here? Right? Look, here's the reality in the spiritual realm. If you know Jesus and you walk in his authority, then the kingdom of Satan knows that you know Jesus and can walk in his authority. If you know, they know that you know that you know. I got a text a couple weeks ago. A friend of mine was in Food Lion. And they walked by a lady, and the lady was having some problems. And my friend thought, well, that's, told her husband, that's a little bit more than, than just physical. There's something spiritual going on there. And went to the register, they forgot something. She goes back, walks by that lady again, and the lady just looks at her and starts laughing. They know when you know that they know. I had somebody else 
uh, she works in sales and uh, she was at her store and um, somebody came in and she, she just felt off about the person. There was some discernment going in there. Something's wrong here. I don't know what's going on. And the person comes in and she helps her because she's a professional. And the, pers- the, 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 the customer leaves. The customer comes back a, a week later. The person says, oh, it's you again. Can I help you? And the person said, no, I'd like somebody else to help me. My spirit guides really don't like you. And I had somebody else get cursed out. They told me about getting cursed out in line for, at the gas station. Person started calling him a Christian, didn't know him. What are you doing here, you Christian? Blah, 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 beep, beep, beep. Right? When you know, they know that you know that you know. Right? <laughs> Write that down. It's the most in-depth thing I'm going to say today. And here, so, so the problem, that, that the, the micro problem that the sons of Sceva have, the micro problem is that the demon doesn't know who they are. But here's the, the big macro problem, the big overarching umbrella problem. The biggest problem is that Jesus didn't know the sons of Sceva. That Jesus didn't know who they were. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 4, chapter 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, and you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. That should be singular. It's the same word there for the big G God and the little G God. So he, Paul's saying, you were enslaved to this, these other gods. And he's writing to this, these, these uh, societies and these cultures who had pagan temples everywhere who offered sacrifices to their deities, right? And if you don't think that that those deities had a hand in what these people were doing, then you're foolish. These people aren't gonna sacrifice and keep worshiping a God that does nothing for them. So in Ephesus, when they're worshiping Artemis, right? Artemis is intervening in the world. Right? This is basic spiritual uh, realm stuff, but it, it just it goes over our heads because we don't understand that, that there are other uh, forces opposed to God active in the world and that they can be invoked by people. So he says, you are a slave to these other gods. But now that you have come to know God, and then he catches himself a little bit, or yet rather be known by God. That's the prize, that's the victory, is that God knows who you are, right? Whether a demon knows you, whether the spiritual realm knows you, whether you, 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 have, a, you have a thousand followers on Instagram, no matter, it doesn't matter who knows you unless it's God. You are known by him. He sees you exactly where you are. He loves you exactly where you are. Uh, every now and then, here at Faith, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have myself, will pray, or somebody else will pray, and we'll ask, God, is there anything that you might want to work on or heal or move in today? And I had two people come up to me earlier. Uh, the first one um, is vertigo, vertigo. So if you have vertigo, uh, when we have our reflection time and uh, if you would like to come up for prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, and the second one, the person got the scientific name of it and didn't know what it was. She, uh, she got the word follicular degeneration, right? It's alopecia. Uh, and it's uh, particularly some scarring that can happen from alopecia. So if that's you, um, 
and you'd like prayer for it, uh, please come up during the reflection time or after service. We would love to pray for you. This is one of the ways that we here at Faith try to practice the fact that he sees us. He knows us. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what we need. And so when we're talking about authority in this, right, the power behind authority is that God knows you through your confession that Jesus is Lord and through the Holy Spirit who empowers you to walk in this authority. That's the power behind it. The sons of Sceva are trying to walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ without confessing him as Lord, without being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, the evil spirit knows that they don't know Jesus, then it has power over them, right? It has, they, they don't have uh, full authority and power over us. For greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But when he looks at these seven men, he says, oh, I got you now. And he beats them. Seven of them, seven grown men, strips them naked, and they go running through town. This is a disaster for them. One on seven, they get beaten. Here's the problem. You can enter into the spiritual realm and spiritual things without Jesus, but it will cost you. People who enter into spiritual things without Jesus always lose something. You go for healing somewhere outside of Jesus, right? I can list off things you shouldn't do. You shouldn't go get Reiki. Probably shouldn't go get acupuncture. You probably shouldn't do all these Eastern medicinal things that have gods behind them, right? But when you go there, you might get some short-term relief, but you are losing something. When you go somewhere else for wisdom outside of God, you might get insight and wisdom, but you will be losing something. James talks about this in chapter three. He says, there's a wisdom that comes from above and it is awesome, but there is a wisdom that does not come from above. He says, it's selfish, it's foolish, it's full of self-ambition. And then he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unscriptural, and demonic. There are demons behind wisdom outside of God. And so they're trying, the sons of Sceva are trying to enter into this place without the authority of Jesus. And when we talk about unauthorized authority, now we're gonna jump to authorized authority. And who comes with all authority? Jesus. Jesus had authority, and what do we see as authority over? Sickness, disease, demons, nature. He had authority over it all. Seas are raging. Peace, be still. Seas calm down immediately. Because he has authority over all of those things. And we learned last week that he delegates this authority to us. He gives us this authority as his, his followers, as his sons or daughters. Remember, we are joint heirs with Christ. Everything that Jesus got, we get. That's what being a joint heir means. So we have to ask, okay, what motivated Jesus then to use his authority? That's the question. The first thing, the father motivated Jesus 
to use his authority. John 5, 19, quoted this many times. Jesus says, I can only do what I see the Father doing. Saying apart from, from walking in the Father's footsteps and walking what the Father wants, I got nothing. I only do what I see the Father doing. There's another time he's walking down the road and there's a funeral procession and there's a, a widow there who's lost her only son, so she's lost her tie to community. She's lost her support for her future. She's all alone as a widow in a very unforgiving culture. And Jesus says that he looked at her and he had compassion. So he just goes over to this funeral procession, and if they're in the procession, this, this young man's been dead for days, and he just goes and he says, okay, rise up. Why does he raise the dead? Because he had compassion on that widow. The 5,000 are following him and they've been with him for, for a very long time and it says that Jesus looked out over them and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So these 5,000, what does he do? First, it says, he heals all of them. Anybody who needs healing, he heals them and then he feeds them because he had compassion on them. The leper he has compassion on out of mercy. The blind man, son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. Shut up. Don't be bothering Jesus. He's going somewhere. Leave. Jesus walks over to them. What do you want? We want to regain our sight. Because they asked for mercy, they received mercy. He wants to bring the Father glory. In Matthew 15, it says that he's doing all these signs, these wonders, these miracles. And then at the end of this little passage in Matthew 15, and it says, and and the name of the God of Israel was glorified. He responds to faith. He responds to faith in Matthew chapter nine. There's more blind people. And he says, well, by your faith, let it be so to you. Mark chapter two, he responds to the faith of the friends of the paralytic. And ultimately, ultimately, love was the reason for the plan of redemption. God so loved everything that he created here in the physical realm. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. So he doesn't come in condemnation telling everybody how bad of sinners they are. He comes in love telling them, just follow me. What you are looking for, I have. What you are wanting, I can give. Love drives authority. Jesus, I've read all the Torah. I've read all the prophets and all the law. Read it all. What's the most important thing in there? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You want me to sum it up for you, young man? I will. Love God with everything that you have and then take that love to others. So if Jesus came to fulfill the law perfectly, and he did, then everything he did was motivated by these two commandments. Everything. 
Every time he healed somebody, every time he set somebody free, every time he fed people, every time a, 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 a woman of the night would come and pour the alabaster flask over his feet, every time they caught a woman in adultery, everything he did was motivated by loving the Father and loving the person standing in front of him. So we best partner with God in the authority of Jesus when love is our motivation. This is what authorized authority is. It is authority in love. We love and honor God above everything and everyone. We have love for a world, so people outside of the kingdom of God who are still uh, uh, dominated by the kingdom of darkness, right, this, this world that is in need of redemption. We love this world. We don't condemn the world. We don't have the power to condemn the world. We can tell them how bad they are, but that's not condemnation and that's not what Jesus is calling us to. Now, I'm not saying we don't point out sin if God is leading us to. I'm not saying that we don't include the forgiveness of sin in any gospel presentation. I'm not saying that at all, but it has to be motivated from love and not from self-righteousness. We have love for those suffering illness or spiritual oppression just like Jesus did. We have love for the poor, the widow, the outcast, just like Jesus did. And we have love for the body of Christ, just like Jesus did. Jesus himself was praying to the Father. And he's saying, I want love to be what unites these people and when the, the world sees the unity of the people that will follow me, then the world will change. And let me just define love really quick. So it's not this, this uh, rainbows and rose petals and uh, butterflies type thing where we have to have these certain feelings and emotions and, uh, and this, this concept of love that the world has drilled into us. Love is simply the commitment of my will to your best needs and interests, regardless of the costs. So if I'm loving somebody else, I will say, whatever is needed for you in this moment, I will do what the Father is doing and all that I can, no matter if it costs me my time, my energy, my money, sometimes my sanity, right? I will do it. That's what love is. And I didn't come up with that I got it somewhere else, and I always try to, to, to say, here's where I got it, but I forgot where I got it, and I just pulled it from an old PowerPoint from like last year or something. So Google it, see who comes up. After church, people, off your phones. Okay. <laughs> Look, we have to stay connected to God. If we're loving God, we're staying connected to him through spiritual disciplines. The three most prominent in the New Testament and in the early church, reading the word, having a conversation with God, which is how I refer to prayer as. Because what, what, what has happened to us is prayer is just, here's everything that's wrong, here's everything that I need you to do, here's everything that, that, that I should say right now, amen, peace out, I did my duty, right? Having a conversation with God is saying, God, here's what I got. What do you got? Here's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? 
It's listening. It's being available to his voice, to his, to his direction. And then fasting. We have our calendar up for fasting for October. If you want to take a 24-hour chunk, you can take a 24-hour chunk of our fasting. Fasting is not eating food for an extended period of time. There is no such thing as a social media fast. There is no such thing as a Daniel fast. There is no such thing like that in the Bible or in the Old Church. It is not eating food. We want to stay connected because that will keep us in line with what God wants to do. A while back, I had not been doing this well. I had not been in the word except for what I had to teach. Hadn't been having conversation with God. Hadn't fasted for a couple weeks. And I knew it. And I was convicted about it. Right? So me being a super holy pastor, as soon as I get convicted, I fix it, right? No, didn't fix it. Thanks, Andy. Uh, (laughs) I said that a little loud back there. Um, (laughs) So I didn't fix it. Uh, And and I I don't even remember what it was. I don't know if it was a Sunday morning or if it was a a time that I was meeting with uh, somebody for prayer, inner healing, freedom. I don't really remember what it was. But I stepped into the room knowing that I have authority in Christ. Stepped into the room knowing that. Not super connected, but I, I, I knew it. And so I walked in, and I, don't, I, I was trying to remember. I don't remember what it was. But God showed up. People were set free. Someone was healed. All this great stuff happened. And I leave. And I'm driving down Barry Oak, and I'm like, yes, Lord, you are awesome. You are amazing. I turn, on to, I turn on to 64 and I'm like, God, you are so good. You show up all the time. And the Holy Spirit just said, yeah, but what would happen if you were actually connected to me? And I had to not veer into the ditch because I just got smacked upside the head. And I was like, okay, point taken. So the next day I fasted for one week and read the Bible for eight hours and prayed for the other three. No, it took me a while, but, but there's this connection that needs to happen. Look, God will honor the authority. He will honor the authority, but true power comes from the depth of friendship with Jesus. This is what we learned about last week. Jesus, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I've been given you, and I've given you authority over snakes and scorpions so that you may trample over them and by no means shall, you, uh, shall anything harm you. But do not rejoice over this that the demons are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Rejoice that you know the Father. And yes, authority comes. And yes, the Holy Spirit comes. And all of this uh, is given to us. It's given to the church to take out. It's all given to us, but it all comes from him. Because if we make a path, this is because, right, if we're just trying to grasp the authority without the connection, we've walked into a spiritual loophole, right? Here's another loophole that we don't want to walk in. 
And if we make it a pattern in our life to use authority without love for God or for others, then you will love your authority more than you love God. You will be the person who says, hey, world, everybody, the demons are subject to my name. And Jesus is up there saying, psst, psst. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Even the most powerful angel fell because of his pride. Maybe don't, maybe don't post this on social media all the time, every time anything ever happens. So if we want to walk in the power of Jesus without loving him, if we want to help others without actually loving them, then we'll love the gifts instead of the giver. So we do not want to be in that. So what do we want? Skiva, the boys, they're gone. They're running down the street naked. So imagine, imagine for a second in your sanctified imagination that you're a vendor, you have a booth somewhere in some open marketplace. And you know that a few doors down, there's that guy who has the evil spirit and you really don't wanna mess with him because it gets a little weird and crazy. And so you're just gonna stay in your booth. And you're there one Saturday morning and you hear a ruckus, like some plates are smashing. And you're like, oh, that's just him. That's what happens over there. You hear some yelling and you're like, well, that's different because there's a lot of voices. And you're just kind of looking around, thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, seven naked men run past you. Like that is, that doesn't happen every day. So you go over and you're like, so what happened? What's going on? And the, his next door neighbor is like, those exorcists came, but they got beat up. They got whipped. They're... You saw them, buck naked, down the street, they're gone. What are you going to do? Hey, did you hear about Skiva's sons? They went and they tried to take this on. Hey, did you hear? It says, and this became known to all the residents, residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. A, a, a mini little revival breaks out here. When do other revivals break out in the Bible? It's when some miracle happens. Jesus heals people. A whole bunch of people start following him. The, the, the apostles and the 120 start speaking in tongues. And everybody's like, what's going on here? And Peter stands up, 5,000 are added. Peter and John heal the lame man on their way to the temple. 3,000 are added, right? Philip the evangelist moves in signs and wonders and says that he heals and he casts. He does all of this stuff so people start to believe him. What, has, what causes this revival? A demon beating up seven exorcists. That's weird. It's backwards. That, like I read that, I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to start, Jesus. Like you're supposed to come down in like all your glory and your power and they're supposed to see you and be like, yes, seven naked men started a revival. We're not gonna try that. We're just not. <laughs> but that's how this one started. Because they see it 
And they're like, oh, all of this is real. All this spiritual stuff is real. Like that, I've seen Paul cast them out and they couldn't and they tried to use the same name. I want Jesus the way that Paul has Jesus. And great fear fell upon them. I've seen people experience the power of God and get afraid and say, I'll just have my regular Christianity. Just give me that and I'll be okay. But we want, we want the power of God. So at the display of this spiritual power, word spread and people feared God and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that is the wisdom that comes from above. Jesus' name was glorified. Skeva's sons couldn't do it. Jesus can. Jesus is Lord. Jesus really does have all authority. Believers repented of idolatry. Right? It, Ephesus is this like melting pot of pagan religions. They have temples to Artemis and to Athena and one that is, might be familiar to Statesville people to Hecate. They have shrines to these people. Right, And so when somebody becomes a believer in Jesus, sometimes they don't leave their other gods right away. My wife shared last night when she was talking about South Africa that when she was telling someone in South Africa about Jesus, they said, well, do I have to leave my culture behind? And they meant praying to their ancestors. And the ultimate answer is, is yes, you do. But even here, these believers are bringing their things. They're divulging their practices. They're coming out and they're saying, we still, well, we're still invoking Artemis' name. Oh, sorry. We're still worshiping Athena down at the temple. And it says that other occult practitioners came. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And, and, and uh, 50,000 pieces of silver is millions of dollars. A few years ago, it was about $2 million. I don't know what it is with inflation now, but somewhere in the millions. This is what happens at spiritual power. The word of God spreads. People fear, but Jesus gets glorified. People are drawn into repentance, both the church and the unchurched, both the believers and the non-believers. They're all drawn to the name of Jesus. And the last verse says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Paul spent years in the hall of Tyrannus And people are saved. People are getting saved in Ephesus. But when the spiritual power of God is seen, it sparks mayhem in this city. After this, the the people who made idols and sold them to to, to, to the public got mad because nobody was buying idols anymore. You want to break the spiritual stranglehold of a city? Stop worshiping their idols. Riots break out. Again, they're they're being beaten, persecuted, drawn in the middle of town. But the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. 
And that's what we want to see. The word of the Lord increasing mightily. And it prevails. It wins. It is triumphant. The word of the Lord bows to nothing or no one or any anything from Satan's kingdom. It does not bow. Jesus is the name above every other name. At his name, right? At his name, everything in heaven, the heavenlies on earth and under the earth. He's covering everything. Paul's covering from what we don't see to what we do see to what we don't see, but we know is there. At his name, everything in creation will bow their knee. And they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Jesus has all authority. He wins. And when we, in connection with Jesus, walk in his authority, things around us change. Things around us, people around us change. People get healed, delivered, marriages get restored. People come to know Jesus. The word is is seen and understood and proclaimed. This is what we want. When we walk in the authority given to us by Jesus in an authorized way. And so we say, Jesus, more of you. Your kingdom come and your will be done here with us on earth, in this church, in Statesville, in North Carolina, on earth, everywhere, exactly like it is in heaven. Because you, Jesus, you are seated at the right hand of the Father in all authority and power, and you're interceding on our behalf. More of you, Jesus. So now as we end, what to think about First, does Jesus know you? Right, that, that, that was the whole problem with the, the sons of Sceva is that are you known by God? Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Have you said, yes, I will follow you? And Paul says, so it is awesome that you know God, but the better thing is to be known by him. Does he know you? In that, in that way that only happens when we believe. In that way where he invites us in and he changes us from just somebody out on the street to his son. He, he changes us from one creation into a new creation. Does Jesus know you? Second, we know that God is a never-ending fountain of love. So how does that love drive you? Are you able to look out on a world and a culture and a society that desperately needs Jesus? And are you able to look at them with the love and the compassion in the eyes of Jesus? Are you able to look at family members with the compassion in the eyes? Are you able to look at the, the broken down, the outcast, the poor, the oppressed? Who, how is love, how does love drive you in your life? Because it's different for everybody. I see people bound up by the enemy and I'm like, I know how to help you. I want to help you. Other people see a homeless person and want to give everything to that person. 
Right? How, does, how does the love of Jesus drive you? And then in those places where it drives you, that's where you can walk in authority. And finally, this is just an exhortation. It's not a question. It's an exhortation. Love unashamedly while you walk in authority and see what God can do. We, we, just, we just get the tip of the iceberg with God because we don't ask for the big things. We ask for the things that are comfortable and safe and our church, uh, they're, they're okay to say in church. We ask for those things. And what it does is it drives our conception of this God who is big and immense and more and it shrinks him down and says, you only want to move this way. You only want to do things this in my life like this. You only want to do things through me like this. But man, what if you just decided, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to love God. I don't care what people say. I'm going to love others. Once we get into that space with that lens, with that worldview, then we will really see what God can do. So let me pray. Father, what do you want to do? Let's just wait on the Lord just for a moment. Start to reckon with him. Start to converse. Start to wrestle the places where you need to wrestle. Holy Spirit, just be active in every believer. And Father, if there are those who don't believe, be active in drawing them to Jesus right now. Father, we wait for you. Why don't you stand? Why don't you stand with us? Father, right now I pray that your spirit would be active into drawing us into your love. That you would be active into drawing us to know the love of Christ that goes beyond, that goes beyond, Father. I pray, Lord, that this morning we would experience the prayer of Paul. That we would have that he would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what the hope it is to which he has called you.
And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is your immeasurable power towards us who believe according to the working of your great might that you worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And you, Father, you put everything under his feet gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all fill us all in all as our as our attention and our focus and our affection is drawn to you and who you are if you would like prayer you can come forward if you kneel at the altar it's you saying i just want to do it with god no one else pansy and jt will be up here i'll be up here as well you want some one-on-one, two-on-one prayer. Father, draw us to your throne in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we, we extol your name. We lift up the name of Jesus. And he is lifted up. He draws all men. So, Father, I pray even as we leave this morning that we would lift up your name so that people are drawn to you. Not to us. Not to, not to a specific church. Not to these things that grow our kingdom, Lord, but that they would grow your kingdom. Let it be done, Father, here on earth as it is in heaven. All of it, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you leave. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week, if not sooner. God bless.